Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in 1 Timothy. Last time we read chapter 1. Now at the end of chapter 1, Paul was saying that he was uh, entrusting Timothy with the command to fight the good fight. Um, and that he would keep his faith, you know, leaning on God, and he would have a good conscience, and that is that is the gist of it. He says, "This command I entrust to you, uh, according according in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, uh, so that by them you may fight the good fight, keeping your faith completely on God, and having a good conscience." So. That's that's more exactly what was said. That's the end of chapter 1. Now we're ready to read 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I am reading from the Amplified Bible. First of all then, I urge that petitions, specific requests, prayers, intercessions, prayers for others, and thanksgiving be offered, thanksgivings be offered on behalf of all people. For kings and all who are in positions of high authority, so that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge and recognition of the divine truth. For there is only one God and only one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom a substitutionary sacrifice to atone for all. So he gave himself as a ransom for all. The testimony given at the right and proper time. And for this matter, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying when I say this. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and disputing or quarreling or doubt in their mind. So he wants us all to pray. Now lifting up holy hands, that must have been something they did, you know, lifting up their hands, and that's something people still do today. I I think that's just an example of of worship and praise. But but without anger, I think the, the important things to see here are without anger and without disputing, without quarreling, and without doubt, knowing that when we pray to God, that he hears us and that he answers us. So, and also, if you'll, if you'll notice, when we go back and look at the beginning of how he started here, he was urging that prayers, intercessions, that's a different intercession. I'm going to have trouble with that. Intercessionary prayers, where you're praying for others, and thanksgiving. Well, he's saying that we should be offering this on behalf of all people and for those, all of those who are in authority because we have a tendency to be resentful of those in authority. Let's just be honest. We do. We're human. For some reason, we tend to resent those in authority. So we should pray for them to help them, that God would lead and guide them. And he says, he says why here? So that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So we should pray for all of our leaders, 
especially the ones you maybe don't like or don't agree with. You should pray more for them so that we can continue to live our life in godliness and in peace. And he says this is pleasing in the sight of God. And God, he, he says again, I've, I've noticed this verse before because it's meant a lot to me in my life. God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of him to recognize the, the truth in Jesus that there is only one God, only one mediator, and that is Jesus. So, all right, and um, I'm going to move on down now. We're going to continue on with verse 9. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves modestly and appropriately and discreetly in proper clothing, not with elaborately braided hair and gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but instead adorned by good deeds, helping others, as is, as is proper for women who profess to worship God. Now, notice here he's not saying that he wants uh, women to, to not dress nice or not look good. He's just saying that the more important adornment, what's more important is that you be adorned by your good deeds. In other words, people, you know, you do... How do I say this? I'm trying to say this right, and I don't want to say it the wrong way. What's really important is the good things you do in your life. Not that external appearance of how you look, but it's how your heart is. And that shows whether you realize it or not. Even when you quietly go about doing these good deeds, and you have this kind heart, and, and you do these, that shows to people in a way that all your fancy clothes and your jewelry and all that does not. All that is superficial external adornment and it, it's not very meaningful. It's, it's really not meaningful at all if you think about it except maybe for the only thing that really has meaning is the wedding ring has a meaning to us in our society. Um, in societies in the past actually some jewelry uh, basically now look don't get mad at me but some jewelry basically said you were a slave. You were owned. If you had certain piercings like in your ears or in your nose. No, I'm not trying to be rude or crude. I mean, truthfully, that was that could be an indication of ownership. Um, <clears throat> same with tattoos. So, just saying. Um, it's That's just something to be aware of. That doesn't mean... You can't wear jewelry any at all. It doesn't mean that. Just, you know, things change in society over time. So, but I do want you to be aware of that. It's something to, to know about. Um, all right. So the, the inward adornment of the heart and the kind deeds and the love you show others, that's what's more important. And that's what he's getting at. And you should dress modestly. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't dress um, skimpily, scantily. Um, you know, in public. Now, in private with your spouse, that's all. We, we're not even talking about that at all. He's not addressing that at all. That has nothing to do with anything. You should, you know, y'all should be man and wife and in, enjoy that. So that has nothing to do with this. This is totally, you know, like out in public. You know, you don't want to have <clears throat> things, you know, you don't want to be showing everything 
you know you don't have to go to the I forget the name of the the dress that that, that the, some of the Middle Eastern people do but you don't have to go to the is it a burqa where you're completely covered head to toe and maybe you have an eye slit and that's it you don't have to go to that extreme but still modestly and not be showy and you know all that is also important all right so we're going to move on verse 11 a woman must quietly receive instruction with all submissiveness I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. And this, this says in the congregation. So I'm assuming that this is in reference to um, at church, kind of. And he says here for his, uh, you know, he says this is why. He says, for Adam was formed first by God from the earth, then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman who was led astray and fell into sin. But women will be preserved, saved, through the pain and dangers of the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control and discretion. Alright, I imagine that this, nowadays especially, is quite controversial. We do need to remember he's talking to Timothy who is in Ephesus and and Timothy's focus is in Ephesus now Ephesus um, I hope I remember this correctly I do believe I am is definitely in a Muslim world town uh, at least you know they would be on the west coast of Turkey so as you might imagine um, even though Islam was not around at this time, okay? Islam did not exist at this time. So I'm not sure. I was going to say this this might have something to do with, with Muslim, but I, uh, but I forgot. Islam, that religion, that whole religion was not around at this time. So <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly if there was some special issue going on that Paul was trying to make sure that he addressed with Timothy and that Timothy understood. But... um. There are there are things here that people I think have taken incorrectly. Now, here he says, "I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man." Now, if we take that point blank, totally literally, then basically, according to Jewish tradition, once I turned thirteen, I would never allow any female to teach me or have any authority over me. Now, just think about that for a moment. How many of our high school teachers are women? <laughs> you know, how you know, and, and if we go and if we go further and we say, well this applies to all all men, even when they're young men and, and their children, then I'm just saying this can be taken in a really extreme way, which I I cannot believe was the intention. Um, I personally <laughs> um, have learned a lot from my wife, just us talking and, and discussing things, especially spiritual things. There's a lot of good things you can learn from each other. If you, you know, um, I can't see, and it says, but to remain quiet in the congregation, I think that people in Ephesus were having special issues and he was trying to help you know guide Timothy in, in guiding them um, 
I don't think this is intended to mean that, you know, you can't have a woman ever teach a man. You know, we had, uh, an, uh, there's an example in Acts, and I forget the, the man and the woman's name, but they, they actually talked to, uh, well, I can't even remember who they talked to now. All this is terrible. But anyway, her and her husband talked to and helped teach uh, one of the people who were who had uh, a lesser understanding of the gospel. You know, they he had um, uh, I can't remember the person's name, but he was teaching like I think he was teaching like John the Baptist, like as if Christ had not come yet, and then they taught him that Jesus had indeed you know, come, and that Jesus was the Messiah. So, I wish I could remember their exact names right now, and I wasn't thinking about this before I started. But, um, nonetheless, I, I, what I'm getting at is that I think this has to do with a specific issue they were having in Ephesus in that congregation. I'm not enough of a historical person to go into that, but I can't... We can't really say, this is one of those things that we can't take and literally apply to us full-time. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. That would put a lot of women out of work. Because there are a lot of women who are in positions of authority at work. Um, there are times, there are times and there are things that in, in our household, uh, my wife, she's the one that handles that, runs that, whatever. You know, if she's in the kitchen cooking something, I might help her. But she's not really helping me. She's 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 telling me, hey, you know, I need this or grab me that or, you know, whatever. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. that that's her. Um, that's what she's, that's something she's good at that, that I'm not as good at. Um, now, there's a lot of things she could do equally as well as me. And there's a lot of things that I can do uh, just as well as her, but but there's some things that we're just better at, or we just, or there's some things like there are some roles we have that are really, I guess, pretty traditional. You know, there's certain things that I just do because it just seems like that's what the guy should do, you know, <laughs> and I just do it. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is we shouldn't use this to try to act like we can't learn anything from a woman or that a woman can't teach us. Um, that's silly. That's not really the intention. Um, if you look back at school, <clears throat> for instance, and I'm just going to go back to this because this is my own personal experience. It's easy to, to uh, define and express. I have almost all female teachers. I had 5%. You know, one out of maybe 20 of my teachers might be a guy. And that's over my entire life. <clears throat> and that's including that's including uh, military instructors and um, instructors in college. Okay, so or if you say professors, I, I still think of them as instructors and teachers. But nonetheless, doesn't matter. Um, still, mostly in my entire over my entire life, mostly women. Even Sunday school teachers, mostly women. And there's nothing wrong with that. Women can teach. Women do know they are a valuable source of information and spiritual information. Um, now, in the hierarchy of things, yes, I know that it is, it is God, Jesus, 
the husband, the wife, so forth. But that still does not mean we cannot learn something from one another. And um, so I just want to make sure that we're not overly taking that to an extreme little thing where we think, well, um, I can't have a woman have authority over me or teach me anything. Well, no, that's, you know, because he's pretty, I mean, he, this is this statement, if you take it exactly the way it is, that's how it would be. Well, I can't allow a woman to teach me anything or have authority over me. Now, and that would, if you just take that blanket statement, that would mean in every way and everything. Now, here in this translation, they do say, Women should remain quiet in the congregation. Well, now there, we have interactive classes, and we want people to interact. So we don't want a woman to be quiet at that time if she has spiritual insight or something to, to, to share. We want to hear that. So that's not totally correct for us either. See, I think, I think things were different for them in their situation. But for us, that's not true. Now, now during the main lesson, the sermon, the preacher's sermon, we're all quiet. Now, yes, in some places you'll hear the men sometimes say amen or, you know, something like that. And that's, I guess that's fine. It, it's, it's kind of a societal, traditional thing if you're used to that. I'm not really accustomed to <clears throat> saying anything myself. I prefer to just listen and try to take it in and understand, you know. So, all right. So that is the end. I've probably talked too long about this, but I wanted to make sure um, that we understand that if we take this to that extreme, that little extreme, that it's totally impractical and it doesn't make sense. I think this is really addressing an issue at Ephesus through Timothy. So that's really what I believe is going on here now. You can take this extremely literally, but, you know, we don't walk around chopping our hands and feet off. You know, Jesus was not literally wanting us to pluck our eye out. So, you know, this is one of those cases where this was specific, I think, to a specific group of people. It was with a specific intention. And I think it has to do with the fact that, again, Timothy was staying on at Ephesus and helping them. So, all right. That is the end of 1 Timothy chapter 2. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. The Lord bless you and keep you always. And remember, God loves you.